The legacy of fathers is their children. And the Bible tells us how to be good fathers. And one of the commands to us fathers is that we are to be the head of our homes, the head of our houses. Just as Jesus Christ is the head of the spiritual family called the church, fathers, we're to be the head of our physical families. And there are many titles that Jesus Christ has. Moses said, God will send a prophet like me to come. Hebrews calls Jesus the high priest. And others, apostles and prophets, called him a king. And what I'd like to do today is I don't have time to describe how a father is a prophet, how a father is a king and a priest, but I'm going to pick one of them. But I'm going to quickly tell you, a father is the prophet of the home. He's to speak the word of God to his kids, as a prophet is to speak the word of God to the people. A father is to be a priest in his home. He is to pray for his children to God. He's to intercede, even as Job would pray for his children. And then he's to be the king. Americans don't know much about kings. You think you do, but you don't. Because <laughs> you weren't raised under a king. I'm from Canada. I understood. I was taught about the respect for a queen and a king. But most of us, we were brought up in democracy. And so you don't really understand what a king is. And most people think a king means he rules. He gets to do what he wants. Well, how many know Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he didn't come down here to do what he wants. And I want to focus on that aspect today. I want to talk to you about fabulous fathers, a fabulous father as a king of his house. And I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians 5. If you have a Bible, the ladies are going to put it up there, Ephesians 5.22. And we're going to read about the father being the king, the head, the governor of the house, and I want to encourage you fathers today. Sometimes men tell me, I don't even like coming to Father's Day church because the preachers beat up on us. I'm not here to beat up on you. I'm proud of every father that is in the church today that chose to come, and even those that are watching online. So let's talk about the father, fabulous father, and uh, let's read this together, all right? You read with me the even verses, and I'm going to read the odd verses. All right? Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. 
so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. Now, girls, I'm going to ask you to go to chapter 6. Go to uh, Ephesians 6, 1, and we're going to read the first few uh, verses in Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Continue reading the even verses with me, if you would, please. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, which is easy to do, but bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Amen. God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the fathers that are here today. I thank you for their godly example. I thank you, Lord, for their effort. And I thank you, Lord, that even where we may come up short, your grace is always sufficient. Help us to remember that, to rely on your grace. Give us an ear to hear today. And Lord, help us to honor and bless these fathers that are in your house. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe a father can function as a king, as a priest, and as a prophet in his house if his wife will let him. I believe a father can function as a king of his house if his wife will let him and will do what the Bible says, submit to your husbands submit to the Lord. You know, wise, when you submit to your husbands, you're honoring and you're showing your spirituality as unto Christ. And it's important that if you understand the blessing that God wants to pour out on your family, it involves not just the husband as a king, but it involves the wives as a submissive wife and the children obeying their mom and dad. So let's, let's go to number one, please. Number one, the Father's game. I'm just going to focus on this today. But wives, I want you to know that when you submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, this has nothing to do that you are less worthy because you submit to your husband. How many know a husband is not better than a wife? He's only greater by virtue of position. It doesn't make you better. But when many wives fail to realize is that by refusing to submit unto the husband to let him be the king of the house, they usurp God and they destroy the commanded blessing that God has on every family. The blessing of God that comes upon every family is when it's lined up like the Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father is first, the Son is second, the Holy Spirit is third. Is the Holy Spirit unworthy of the Father? No. Less worth? No. They're just roles. And in the home, it's the father, the wife, and the children. Today, we sometimes see it reversed, don't we? Let me quickly turn, you don't have to go there, to Psalms 133. 
I want to tell you the power that God commands a blessing when a family lines up as Paul's writing about in Ephesians. In Psalms 133, it says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity when there's a wife uniting with her husband and the children uniting with mom and dad. There is a blessing. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down the edges of his garments. It's like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing and life evermore. Do you know there is a commanded blessing of God upon a family and life evermore when there's unity? When the husband acts like a king and a wife submits because she knows her husband. I haven't met a wife yet that won't submit to a husband that doesn't love her. The problem is when the husband doesn't love her. Now, many people say, well, there's a big crisis today in fatherhood and manhood. And I want to talk about our culture and how it's been eroding fathers and talk about what it means to be a king, a father being a king. But I think the problem with fatherhood goes back to some of the children because our nation changed 75 years ago. 75 years ago, it began to change a little bit. Change a little bit. We used to be the number one contributing nation in the entire world. Do you know that? And now we're up in the top three as the number one consuming nation. There was a time, 75 years ago, give or take, that fathers would teach their children the importance of a Judeo-Christian work ethic. Most Americans don't even know what that is anymore. Most Americans don't even know the spirit behind a Judeo-Christian work ethic. Most American means it means to have a good work ethic. No. A Judeo-Christian work ethic means you give more than you take. For God so loved the world that he gave. Christians are to be givers. That's what it means. And so there was this Judeo-Christian work ethic, and a father would teach his sons, son, you work until you're satisfied, 75 years ago. Work until you're satisfied. Work that you have enough to provide for your family, provide for the poor. Oh, and don't forget to contribute to the kingdom of God because we believe the only hope of this world is the church of Jesus Christ. So you work to give, you give to the family, you give to the poor, you give to the church, and of course there are other things, you know, you provide for your retirement. But all of a sudden this mentality came into government and into our culture. You're entitled to take more than what you work for. Anyone ever hear that? And now there is a battle for the soul of our government for communism, socialism. You're entitled to it. That's not the Judeo-Christian work ethic. And you know what? Only the family that is taught from the church is going to be able to reverse what's going on in our nation. Fathers, you are to teach your children to be satisfied, to thank God that you're working, and to provide for your family, provide for the poor, provide for the church, provide for your future. That's what Judeo-Christian work ethic is. So let's talk about this. A king. 
A king in the Old Testament and a king in nations used to provide for their people. We think, oh, it's good to be a king. King gets to do what he wants. King gets to tell people what they do. Well, I mean, when Jesus Christ came back to be a king, it says in Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man didn't come back to be served, but to serve. See, Americans, that's what a king is. A king, a good king, is someone who serves his people. Jesus Christ came back to serve us, to provide an atonement for our sins that we could be restored in a right relationship with God. How many of you follow me? Not satisfy ourselves. And it begins in the home. It begins with fathers. And of course, I'm also preaching to you single moms where there's no fathers in the home. Where you're a single mom, there's no fathers, God will give you the grace. God will give you the fortitude and everything you need to provide that kingly role for your kids. So I'm not just speaking to fathers, but hardworking single moms as well. Go to the next scripture, please. Let's read it again. Talking about fathers being the king. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body, church family. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives and children be to their own husbands and everything, Ephesians 5, amen? A father's responsibility is to be the king of his, ha- of his family. He is to rule the family. He's to govern it as Christ rules and governs the church. And does Christ rule and govern the church with a strong hand? Of course not. He's full of love, grace, mercy. And that's how the fathers are to be in a family to govern in that way. Now, I want to present to you what I've learned in the Bible and what I hear psychologists and other people say that will help you fathers, especially you fathers-to-be, you young fathers that want to get married someday. But if you want to have a good family, there are basically four tenets of a good family, and this is all biblical, and you know you might want to write them down. One is love, one is intimacy, one is discipline, and the other one is worth. You want to change this nation, teach your children and grandchildren what love is. Love is not a word. 1 Corinthians 13, love is an action. It's not a word. That's the first thing. Number two, intimacy. How many remember I preached on Song of Solomon and I said intimacy is not sex. Intimacy is communication. You got to talk to your children. Well, they don't want to listen. You try. You have to let your children talk to you. You got to create an atmosphere of intimacy in the family where they can be themselves. Number three is discipline. The Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go, Proverbs 22, and when they're old, they will not depart. You got to discipline your children. Discipline doesn't mean you always correct them when they do something wrong. It means you reward them when they do something right. I often say, we Christians, we are quick to jump on them when they do something wrong but we don't always reward them when they do something right. There needs to be an evenness there. And then lastly, worth. You got to let your children know how much they are worth. Most fathers would die for their children. They work hard. They do. 
because they love them. They're, they're worth it. They, they want to give them a better future because of the worth. And of course, we get that right out of the Bible. For God so loved us, he gave his only son. That's how much we were worth to him. Those are the four tenets of a family. That's how you turn a family around. Love, intimacy, discipline, and lastly, worth. There's a great story in the Bible of a mighty man of God by the name of Timothy. Timothy had a spiritual father named the Apostle Paul. He had no godly father. His mother was a Jew. His father was a Gentile. His mother and his grandmother were born-again believers. His grandfather and his father never got saved. And he grew up a mighty man of God, tutored under the Apostle Paul, pastored the great church of Ephesus, and he eventually, as church history tells us, became a mighty apostle in the early church when Paul was martyred. Paul said to him in 2 Timothy 3, he said, and that from a child, he's speaking to Timothy, Paul's speaking to his spiritual son, he says that from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith by Christ Jesus, in Christ Jesus. For all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine. That's what I'm teaching you today. Husbands, I'm giving you the doctrine of a family, love, intimacy, discipline, and worth. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Oh, it sounds like discipline. And instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect or mature, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Later, when Paul was in a prison in 2 Timothy 1, he wrote to Timothy and he said, For I am persuaded of the unfeigned faith that is in you, which was first in your grandmother Lois and then in your mother Eunice, and I know is now in you. How did that Timothy get that unfeigned, which means genuine unhypocritical, not phony faith, but the real faith. How did he get it? Single moms, there wasn't a father in the house. Got it from a mother and a grandmother. So even when there isn't a father in the house, the moms, through the grace of God, can still step up and provide that role. Amen. We'll call you a queen. God can do that. And I've seen it done many times. But Father, it's your responsibility, your kingship, to put these values in your children. Next scripture. So husband ought to love their own wives and children as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself so important. Fathers, you're stewards. You're not owners. You don't own your spouse. You don't own your children. You're managers. And the Bible says in Hebrews 920, uh, what is it, 924, 923, it's appointed unto men once to die and then the judgment. How many know we can stand at the judgment after we die without fear? We can look forward to him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been trustworthy with few things. I'm going to make you 
ruler over much. But it's important that a father fulfill that role and govern his family. It is not the pastor's job to raise your son, single moms. It is not the youth leader's job to raise your sons, single moms. I had a single mom come to me one time. Would you raise my son? I said, no. I got two of my own. Don't redefine the office of a pastor. It's not the job of Kamisha in the nursery to raise your children. It's not the job of Nancy Dijon over the Sunday school to raise your children. Moms, single moms, you can do it through the grace of Christ and the word of God. Don't pass it off. Don't pass it off. There's a story in the Bible you know of King David. And the Bible says in Acts that he was a man after God's own heart. But did you know King David was a terrible father? Terrible father. That's the oxymoron. How did he be a terrible father and yet a man after God's own heart? Well, God didn't call him a man after his own heart because he was a bad dad. God called him a man after his own heart because when he sinned, he knew how to repent and get his heart right. David's first three sons were killed because David was a terrible father. Amnon, Absalom, and Adonijah. He wouldn't discipline them. In fact, let's talk about Adonijah. Uh, Put the scripture up there for Adonijah, please. Now, his father, King David, had never disciplined him, Adonijah, at any time, not so much as by a single scolding, 1 Kings 1, 6, the Living Bible. Remember I told you one of the tenets of a family is discipline. You discipline your kids because you love them and you want to set them up. Well, David had another son named Solomon and he seemed to show favoritism towards Solomon and he spent time, he knew he was going to be the next king and he taught him how to handle the money, he was going to build a temple and he taught them the wisdom, the rule and how to be a king and how to be a king to give, to, to help the people. But he never spent the same amount of time with Adonijah and eventually Adonijah rebelled against his father because he didn't see love, intimacy, discipline or worth. And he decided, I'm going to take the kingdom, I'm going to be the next king and it cost him his life. And of course, we know Solomon. Solomon submitted to his father, listened to his father, both raised in the same house. Isn't it amazing, parents, how you can raise kids the best that you can in the same house and they come out so different. And that's why we need God's mercy. But fathers, try not, young people, try not to show favoritism. It messes up families. How many remember the story of Joseph and his father Jacob favored Joseph? And Jacob was so unwise in his fathering, he says, I'm going to make a robe of many colors and put it on my favorite son as if he never thought what the other 11 kids would say. They hated him for it because of favoritism. 
When a father shows favoritism, instead of being a fabulous dad, they become deadly dads. They become dads of discord in the family, demanding dads, dividing dads, demeaning dads. Some dads just say, forget it, I'm out of here. And they're departing dads. Don't be like that. Be a fabulous dad. Teach your kids those four tenets. Love, intimacy, communication, discipline, and lastly, worth. Teach them not to work to get by. Teach them to work a little more so they have something to contribute. Teach them to be a giver, not a taker, not a consumer. I've been told, I don't know if it's true, but $32 trillion is the point of no return for our nation. When we hit that debt, we become a third world nation. We will no longer be able to pay the interest on $32 trillion that we borrowed. Our own nation is becoming such a sad example of a consumer, of a taker. It will not be turned around by the government. It's got to be turned around in our families. That's it. Grandmas and grandpas, great-grandmas and great... You can help us. And you say, but pastor, how do you do it? You know, my kids are so different. Some of my kids hate me. I'll tell you how you do it. You ask God for help. That's the bottom line. What did Solomon do when he became king? He, he, God came to visit him and he said, Oh God, I am so young. I am incapable of being a king. Give me discernment that I can govern these people in a way that will please you. You know what it takes to do that? Humility. And that's one of the secrets of being a good dad. I ask for humility just about every day. Give me, you know what humility is? Humility is honesty. That's all humility is. A humble person's honest. They believe when Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. Oh, no, Jesus, I know better. I can do anything without you. Now, a humble person is an honest one. They believe without Christ, you can do nothing. And so they pray. And they say, oh, God, give me, help me. Help me to be a good king in my family, a good governor. Help me to love my wife as I love myself. And one other thing, fathers, not only do I encourage you to pray for humility, be honest, but lastly, humble yourself enough to apologize when you screw up. <laughs> you don't know how many times I've said I'm sorry to my wife and to my kids. You know, when I'm a little heavy-handed on the discipline, or maybe I make some comments that I shouldn't have made that instead of being encouraging to their worth, I maybe de-worth them. You got, it doesn't mean we're perfect, dads. It just means we don't give up. Amen? Help us not to give up. Fabulous fathers. I'm glad that you men are here today. Your fathers. We're going to do this. We're going to change the order of the service right now in just a second. We're going to celebrate communion. Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me until I come. 
Do you know, Jesus came as a servant the first time, but do you know when he's coming back, he's coming back as a king? He's coming back as a king. And then bow your heads with me, would you? Bow your hearts with me as well. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, that you can give us the strength and the grace to be the kings of our family to change the tide of this culture in our nation, to change the tide of our government in this nation, to change the tide of families, that we would preserve that which you have blessed us, Lord. I pray, Father, for these fathers and these single moms today that your grace would continue to abound, fill them full of wisdom and humility. Help them, Lord, to know, Father, when to cry out to you, when to love, when to discipline, when to talk, and when to build worth into their children. Now, Lord, as we come around the communion table, Lord, help us, Lord, to get our hearts right. Help us to judge ourselves so we would not be judged, so we can celebrate, Lord, what you did for us. And Lord, as we celebrate, we pray, Lord Jesus, come. Come. Come back. Set up your kingship on this earth. Lord, let your kingdom come, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone said,